Well, amen. Family, how are we this morning? I tell you what, it is good to see you. My name is Matt, one of the pastors of Grace Church Southwest. I lead our Alito congregation. I bring greetings from 20 miles west of here. We gathered this morning. Uh, we made much of Jesus. We heard the word. We sung the word. We prayed the word. Uh, and it was a joyful time. Um, and I'm just honored to be driving over here. Uh, I, I finished preaching and then Pastor Ryan's over there doing our response time and hanging out with that congregation. What a joy it is. Like, I, I, know, I know a lot of you, but then I look around and, and some of y'all uh, are new faces. So if you're new, we sent out about 35 adults and about 192 kids um, back in July uh, to Alito to plant Grace Church Alito. And I am just, it is such a blessing to look around and see the Lord's faithfulness and how he has brought new people um, I was known as the vest guy for five years, so in honor of that, I wore my vest. Um, I, yeah, welcome back for sure, but what a joy it is. Um, and, and with that, just thinking on, uh, Pastor Lucas was talking about that before he went into the, our, our time of Advent, thinking about being a family of families. Like, I, I don't say that lightly in the sense that our congregation gathered, we sang and made much of Jesus. Um, you don't know, if you're new, you don't know me, I don't know you. If, we've, if uh, we've been friends for a while, I haven't seen you. Can I just praise the Lord that we are together united in Christ? And all across the world, people are gathering and making much of Jesus this morning. From sunup to sundown, all across the world, people will gather and proclaim the name of Jesus. You don't know them. Uh, we, you don't know everybody in our congregation. And here is why that's okay. Because as Pastor Lucas said, we are a family of families. I don't coach your kids in sports. Um, I'm not in part of your community group. We don't see each other, but we are united in Christ. Praise God. Hallelujah. Because all we have is Christ. That's all we need. All we have is Christ. It's what unifies us as a family of family. It's what makes us together even 20 miles apart as a family of family. Last week, we looked at a beautiful uh, passage. I, uh, again, part of that being a family of families, we're preaching the same text, so it makes it really easy. I know the text from last week. Last week, we looked at how uh, we were reconciled to Christ and reconcile to one another. That in Christ, we are now a new race, as Paul says, all united in peace because Jesus is our peace. Peace has a name, and his name is Jesus, and that is who we have been united to. Jesus came and proclaimed the good news of peace to you who were once far away, and peace to those who were once new. So you have Jew and Gentile once far away, and once near, for through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. What a beautiful truth. And in Paul's beautiful uh, fashion, in Paul fashion as he does, he just keeps unpacking. Like the first three chapters, maybe Ryan, Pastor Ryan's been saying the same thing. I feel like I'm saying the same thing. But every week it's a new beautiful truth, all centered on Christ as our foundation, as the solid rock. And Paul can't get over it, and neither should we. We, don't, we never move past the goodness of God. We never move past the gospel. 
And as Paul does in our text this morning, he reminds the Ephesians that Christ is not only our peace, but Jesus Christ, family, is the cornerstone in which all things are built. And he uses some beautiful imagery, as you'll see, to show us that we are now united to him. We are being built into something beautiful, and it's all resting on the one who is the cornerstone. Look with me, Ephesians chapter 2, picking up in verse 18. Pew Bible is 1037, I believe. If you don't have a Bible, it's underneath you. That is our gift to you, page 1037. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone in him, the whole building being put together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are also being built together for God's dwelling in the spirit. Father, we come before you this morning. We ask, Lord, that you would Uh, Make your presence known to all of us, Lord, that you would invite us in by the power of your spirit and draw those who are weary. Would you lift their eyes to the goodness and grace that you offer? Those who are stubborn, would you peel back layers of hard hearts? Lord, those who feel far off and estranged and aliens uh, and, and no longer really feel a part of anything, would you bring them in to your kingdom today? Lord, would you do what only you can do? In Jesus' name. Amen. Ephesians 2, for through him, united to Christ, we have access to the Father through the Son. That's what Paul says. This is not a new statement. Instead, it's one that Paul keeps, again, unpacking verse after verse. Isn't it beautiful to see how God continues to draw us near to him over and over again? It's not a truth, again, that we move from. He continually draws us in to himself, Paul keeps drawing us out of our former ways only to draw us into Jesus Christ. He keeps opening up our hearts, keeps, he keeps peeling back those layers, opens up our eyes to the grace found in being united with Christ. There's three things I want us to see this morning in this text. Number one, through Christ, God has built a new kingdom. Kiddos, if you're in the room and you take notes, moms, dads, whoever, first thing I want you to see, through Christ, God has built a new kingdom. Paul says it's through him that we now have access in one spirit to the Father. So as a new race, we are now citizens of a new kingdom. Last week, new race. Now Paul, again, continues to just turn this, press into this. He says, as a new race, you're now citizens of a new kingdom. He says, so then you are no longer foreigners. You're no longer strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints, not the Jews. Gentiles, you're no longer citizens with the Jews. Now he says, with the saints, a new kingdom. Now, as a Gentile, remember, they weren't invited into this temple. This hostility that he talked about, uh, tearing the wall of hostility, breaking down the wall of hostility last week. Gentiles not invited into the temple, nor did they really want to be in there. 
Verse 12, they were without Christ, excluded from the citizenship of Israel, foreigners to the covenants of promise, without hope and without God in the world. At one time, these Gentiles were Christless. They were homeless, strangers to the covenant-keeping God. They were at one time hopeless. They had lived in alienation, excluded as all of chapter one, Paul does, is, is bring our eyes to the riches of God's glorious grace. They lived in alienation to that. But now, now as a Christian, they've been reconciled to Jesus Christ and to the saints. Meaning they weren't, <clears throat> excuse me, just citizens with the Jews. Instead, the believing Jews and Gentiles now made up this new kingdom. Family, they now belonged in this new kingdom because Jesus drew near to them. Now, I want you to hear me on this. Some of us, I don't think really, we have a hard time wrapping our minds around this. But let me just gently remind you that you were once far off. If you're a Christian, brother and sister in here, you were the one that was once far off. You had no citizenship. You were a foreigner and a stranger to this kingdom of God. Like that was me, that was you, but out of his kindness, he moved near to you. He made you new, made you alive, and then he placed you in his new kingdom with all other believers that he's wooed to himself continually over and over again. Now, why that's hard for some of us to wrap our minds around, if it, if it didn't click there, it's probably because we live in America. It's hard for us as Christian Americans to wrap our minds around this. Once foreigner, uh, once alienated, once not a part of something, once excluded, we live in a country, and I'm thankful for this, full of freedom. We're on a Sunday morning at two different spots. We can gather and proclaim the name of Jesus and not have to worry about being excluded, kicked out, or persecuted for our faith. We can gather in a warm place and drink good coffee and see friends and proclaim Jesus Christ freely and sing loudly the name of Jesus with no fear or persecution. However, all across the world, our brothers and sisters are gathering to make much of Jesus in their earthly citizenship to their country is in turmoil. They have to cross borders for safety as Christians. They have fleed from government persecution for the life and safety of their families. They are the ones living in war-torn areas where they are persecuted for their faith. They don't have another choice. They don't have another, uh, another church that they can go check out. They don't have a social media where they can log on and look at 13 different churches within two hours uh, from here and, and watch all the live streams. There's no option for them. 
They flee to other countries in hopes of finding peace and safety. Their earthly life is full and totally consumed with living in exile. That's all they know. No benefits for them. They're foreigners in a different country. They're living a hopeless situation, a life that's full of vulnerability and fear that they'll be found out and ultimately be kicked out or maybe even lose their life. So those brothers and sisters know what it's like to be a foreigner and a sojourner in a land where they're not wanted. But I also know in a room this size, some of you, maybe not to that extreme, feel like a foreigner and a sojourner in your family. You proclaim Christ. You have been shunned from your family. You have been targeted. You have been left out of family text threads or from gathering because you proclaim Christ. Or you, coworker, have been excluded and feel like a stranger in a land of your office because you proclaim Christ. So how is this good news to our brothers and sisters across the globe who are hurting And to you who sit here on a Sunday thinking, yeah, Matt, that sounds good. But man, I I feel like a stranger. I feel like a sojourner. Well, friends, their hope is not in their country. If we're talking about our brothers and sisters, it's not in an earthly kingdom. It's not in an earthly ruler. Y'all, their hope is in Jesus, who is the Prince of Peace, who is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. They truly understand this. They believe this. They cling to this, that their citizenship on this earth is not their hope. They know that this isn't their home. They know what it's like to be a foreigner and a sojourner in a land where they're not wanted. And again, some of you do as well. So hear me this morning. Paul says, because of what Christ has done, because we are a new creation in him, then we are no longer foreigners and strangers. We are now fellow citizens with the saints All Christians who Christ has reconciled, made new, lavished his grace upon, he's made one new race, one new kingdom from every tongue and tribe and nation. Like, are you you getting this? Are you feeling the weight that this kingdom of God that he has made will never come to an end? A kingdom that's founded on Christ, as we're going to see in just a second, as our cornerstone. Through Christ, he's built a new kingdom. And Paul says he's also built a new family. What does he say? You are fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household. I love it. Citizens with the saints one large universal church made up of believers forming a new kingdom. But even more personal than that, Paul says there's a new family. Through Christ, you are invited into a new family that God is building. And Christ is the cornerstone. Not only are you no longer strangers, foreigners, aliens, You are now a part of this family of families. 
the grace of God to sinners and sufferers. Welcome. We are a family of families, common people with a common language of the heart, the word of God. We are a family with a common allegiance to Christ as our cornerstone. We are a family with common goals. Make disciples. Raise our families with the word of God. Point brothers and sisters back to Christ. Herald the good news to those far away because you were invited to the table. God showed you his great love in that while you were still sinners, Christ died for you. A family with a common destination. So we use familial language around here. Brothers and sisters, I've said it over and over again, family of families. Why? Because it's a big deal for us. Communion is a family meal that we get to partake in. Like, I don't know your earthly upbringing. Every family has its quirks. I look around here, and I know some of the quirks that you have. You know some of my strengths, some of my weaknesses, my quirks. But you know what? That's not what draws us together in all commonality. What it is is Christ as our cornerstone. So we we can be in this together. A family of families says you can show up and not be okay. A family of families says we just don't want you to stay that way. We want to come alongside you. So practically speaking, what we do at the end of the gathering every week is we have what's called ministry time. So what does that look like? Well, as a family of family, we show up bringing the good gifts. Hear this. The father of this family, the good father, loves to lavish his grace upon you and then loves to give you good gifts. He doesn't dangle the gifts. He says, ask for the good gifts, earnestly desire the good gifts. So our ministry time is that we would show up. Some of us are busted and beat up from the week. Guess what? You've got a brother or sister who can lift your eyes back to the truth and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Some of us show up ready. We're amped up to sing. Great. Sing loudly because your brother and sister who's, who's drowning in sorrow and drowning in depression, who can't lift his eyes, can't sing the songs of God's faithfulness, sing loudly for them. They need you. Your family needs you. Have ministry time. Come early. Stay late. Lord, Spirit, how can you use me today? What might you have for this family? He loves to answer that prayer and good, give good gifts. Practice those gifts together. New family, excuse me, a new kingdom and a new family. Brothers and sisters in Christ. Now Paul shifts. And he says that all of this, this new kingdom, this new family, all of this is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole building being put together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are also being built together for God's dwelling in the spirit. Kingdom, family, through Christ, God is now building a new temple, and Christ is the cornerstone of it all. Let me just unpack that briefly, because it is a big deal. Like this new kingdom, this new family, it's built on the apostles, on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Well, what, what does that mean? Well, if you didn't grow up in the church, or maybe you're just unsure of, the prophets pointed to, in the Old Testament, the prophets pointed to a new way. They pointed to Christ, to a new covenant that would happen one day. They helped lay a foundation for the Messiah, 
the Christ, the King of Kings, the Prince of Peace, the one that was to come. And the prophets really didn't even understand the ramifications of what they were saying. God would speak to them, they would write that, and they would tell of this Messiah to come, and they had no clue what that really meant, the ramifications that there would be a new way. What God was doing as he was drawing near to his people in this way, they pointed, the prophets pointed to the Messiah, all of the Old Testament. I'm sure you hear it over and over again here. You should. I hope you do. All of the Old Testament points to Jesus, the King of Kings. And then Paul says, you have the prophets. He said it's built on the foundation of them and the apostles. Well, what were the apostles? They're the ones that helped lay a foundation for Christ by proclaiming Christ, by heralding. They were of Jesus, witnessed Jesus's ministry. They herald the good news of this covenant that was now here that Christ dwells with us. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. And so this foundation, this foundation of the apostles and the prophets, they all rest upon, hear me, all rest upon Jesus as our cornerstone. They all point to Jesus. They all herald of Jesus. All points to him. Jesus is the chief cornerstone. The teaching of the apostles and prophets is the foundation. And now Paul says, we, family, new kingdom, new race, family, we are the living stones and God lives within us. It's in him that this new temple is being built. And here's why that's a big deal. In the Old Testament, God would dwell with his people before the temple was built. He would dwell with his people in a, uh, a tent of, of meeting, right? Like they, would, they had this tent that they could roll up and take with them, and God's presence would be in this tent, only there. That's where they would meet and hear from the, the, the word of the Lord. And then ultimately, over time, they built the magnificent temple. They built this huge temple. Isaiah 6 says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a high and lofty throne, and the hem of his robe filled the temple. The hem of his robe filled the temple. Ezekiel 43, then the spirit lifted me up and brought me to the inner court and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Again, a tent of meeting before the the temple. They were able to just fold up this place that God dwelt in this little, uh, that had all the certain responsibilities of, of this tent of meetings. And then they built the temple. Now listen to what the prophet Jeremiah says Jeremiah 31, look, the days are coming. This is the Lord's declaration. When I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, this one will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors on the day I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, even though I am their master, the Lord's declaration. Instead, Listen to this. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days. The Lord's declaration. I will put my teaching. I will put my teaching within them. And I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will one teach his neighbor or brother saying, Know the Lord for they will all know me from the least 
Think about the Gentiles to the greatest of them. This is the Lord's declaration. For I will forgive their iniquity and never again remember their sin. And now Paul says there's a new temple. The prophets all pointed to Jesus. The apostles proclaimed and taught Jesus. Now you, brothers and sisters in Christ, a new temple's being built. God dwells in you. Don't miss that. He dwells within you. And if that's the case, then Christ is your cornerstone. In Acts chapter 4, says this, verse 11, this Jesus is the stone you rejected by you builders, which has become the cornerstone. There is salvation for no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. Christ is the cornerstone. And there's some beautiful truth to that. Back in the 90s, they actually uncovered uh, five massive stones that were determined to have helped build the Jerusalem temple. I love how God just unreveals, just kind of reveals back things. These stones, again, known to be some of their cornerstones, 55 foot long, 11 foot high, 14 foot wide, weighed over 570 tons each stone. These were a few of the cornerstones of the temple. So when Paul's writing this, with that imagery in your mind as being a cornerstone of the temple that was built for the Lord, with Paul writing and knowing this, he knows that they know the temple. Like these massive stones were the pillars that held up the entire temple. He knows that, and he knows that everybody who's hearing this understands how massive this is. Not only is he the foundation, he's the pillar, the cornerstone that holds up the foundation. My dad was a general contractor for, for years, and I watched him pour probably over 100 houses when I worked with him. He was always building custom homes and, and big commercial buildings, and I, I got to see all sorts of, of foundation work being done. You got you know, you to scrape the, the ground, and you got to level everything out. It, I feel like that took more more time than actually building the house. And here's why. Because on any building, if you don't prep the foundation for longevity, if you don't look at this and think, man, there's a lot of weight right here, and, and you don't get an engineer, or if you don't have the knowledge of that, you have to have something holding up the foundation. You have to, for the longevity of anything. In Christ, Paul says, is our, he is our pillar, our cornerstone, the one that holds everything together. So he knew when Paul's writing this that they could wrap their minds around this cornerstone. And what he's doing here is he says, hey, look, what was once a dividing wall for each of us. Again, he knew Gentiles were reading this. They weren't allowed into the temple, but they knew what the temple looked like. They knew of these cornerstones. Look, what was once a dividing wall for each of you, Jew and Gentile, see what the Spirit of God has done through the blood of Christ. He's torn down the wall of hostility. He's created a new race. Jesus took you from stranger to friend. He took you from foreigner to family. 
It's what every one of the prophets pointed to. It's what every one of the apostles proclaimed. Peace has a name. His name is Jesus. And family, Jesus is our cornerstone. And out of his great love for you, hear me, he's inviting you into this beautiful life that's being built together with one another where he dwells now among us. There's no more questioning or wondering, where is God? As a believer, Christian, he dwells in you. He is with us. The whole Christmas season, Emmanuel, God with us. The prophecy has been fulfilled. Christ came. He's with you. And he offers a counselor, the Holy Spirit. He's with us. This now is our new identity. This is the grace of God to sinners and sufferers. This is our family of family. So what does this mean for us? Well, if you're not a Christian, then the simple question is, is what is keeping you from surrendering everything to him? I mean, you're here. You've walked through those doors. You're seeking something. Chances are you've tried something to feel fulfilled, to feel desired. You've, you've sought after the things of this world, and you're still ending up feeling empty and lonely and tired. Look, let me, before Christ, I'm not speaking for just me, but every Christian in here, we all served different masters. As a matter of fact, again, I think I can speak on behalf of everybody. Christians in here, non-Christian hear this. Christians in here still wrestle with serving different masters. But hear me on this. The thing Christians have that you don't is that Christ is our cornerstone. And here's what that means. Here's the hope that that gives us as Christians. We have a new citizenship, a new kingdom with one big old happy family. All being built together with Christ as our cornerstone. Mean, meaning, when I stumble serving two masters, I have a brother, multiple brothers in my life that's going to call me out. They're checking on me. I have Christ as the cornerstone, and they can say, hey, Matt, remember, Christ is your cornerstone. Don't find fulfillment and joy in this. Don't find fulfillment in the approval of others. You serve no other master but Christ. He's your cornerstone. Get back to that. I have a wife as a Christian who can, who can love me and, and, and come alongside me and help point me this morning back to Jesus when I needed to be pointed back to Jesus. Why? We have Christ as our cornerstone. So if that's you and you don't, what is keeping you from that? And then, Christian, what is keeping you, or better phrased, why do we keep running back to our old identity? Why? I mean, you, you were once a foreigner, alienated from the kingdom, enemies with God, and he lavished his grace on us, cares for us, pursues us, woos us, uh, puts the band-aids on us. He's the father that bends down and never is impatient with us. He's the, the good dad who takes time to sit and, and just let me grieve. He is the father who is always pursuing. He's the father who knows my, my deepest, darkest secrets. 
and he doesn't turn his back on me. Why do we go back to our old identity over and over again? Let me encourage you, brother and sister, live out of this new identity. New kingdom, a new race, a new family, commonality, God is our father. We're in this together. Man, I I pray that we would be a family of families who make much of Jesus, not because of anything you've done or I've done, but because of who we once were. I look around the room and I'm, I'm encouraged to know that God is working. The spirit is moving and growing in so many of you. Five years of our existence, seeing, seeing the spirit save and reconcile and heal broken marriages and friendships. Like my goodness, I beg him to do more and I beg him that he would awaken our souls in this very room and cling to the grace that has been lavished to us and see that he is our cornerstone and live out of that new identity. Because Christ was rejected, you now belong to this kingdom, to this family. You're being built together by the Spirit. Oh, to, to just, just to see, to taste and see of that goodness. Father, I pray, um, I pray that you would do what only you can do. I'm so grateful, so thankful to look around and see how you've reconciled, made new, brought people to yourself, continually saving men and women and children. Think of the word hospitality, Lord. You've, you've welcomed us to the table. That table has different colored chairs, maybe a bench, maybe a chair with arms, maybe a, a, a broken chair that's just barely hanging on. And I think about that table and I think about how that's one family sitting around and you, the good father, has, has pulled our chairs out for us and all of our quirks, all of our differences, all of our um, the, the, the things that have now been reconciled back to you, I, I'm thankful that you've brought us to the table. I'm thankful that we don't all look like each other. Some of us have gifts of of teaching or prophecy or encouragement or mercy. I'm thankful, Lord, for this family. I pray that that you would lift our eyes to you and your goodness and be reminded of, of this new kingdom, of this new family, that we're being built together. Lord, you, Christ, are our foundation and you are our cornerstone. And then, Lord, if there's somebody here this morning, I pray that they have heard good news, that they no longer have to be a stranger to you, that they no longer have to be alienated, a foreigner. God, would you use us to minister to that person here this morning? as you pulled the chair out for us at the table, may we do that for our friend and may they be welcomed into your family, into your kingdom. 
seat at the table. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.